Everyone, it's another week of Find Your Film. It's an important week, actually. It's the last week, I guess. No, I was going to say it's the last week of the year. We have another episode. This is an important week, though, because this is Christmas, Hanukkah, Chrismaka. It's a, it's a really cool week. A lot of us have the time off. Bruce, do you, are you, well, you're, Bruce is laughing if you don't see the video. By the way, I, I still need to work on putting some video stuff up on YouTube for us so we can reach the YouTubers out there who watch Find Your Film. But Bruce Berkey, so you you just gave me a smirk. Christmas week. I don't get week. no time off. No time off for me. No time no. off for you. Yes. Oh, Eric Holmes, do you have some time off this week or not that much? Uh, yeah, I do actually. COVID has entered the house, so uh, I can't go to work for a couple weeks. So, oh. woohoo! Got a bunch of movies to watch, I guess. So what, that'll be have, fun. So what have you been doing with your time, Eric? So you've been working on the game and your film and then watching a lot of yeah. movies then? So, yeah, that was one of the things. I was about ready to send the game out. Just had to make some copies and then uh, uh, <laughs> might have to wait a couple of weeks and then uh, spray down everything before I send it out. <laughs> very, very. And you look, you look, uh, is everyone okay? Everyone getting healthier in, in your yeah, I was, uh, yeah. My sister got real sick, but she's feeling better. Now her boyfriend's sick. He's getting a little better, and I haven't felt anything. I don't think I got it yet, but I haven't been tested. I probably will once it, you know, probably will after about a week because it doesn't make sense much sense to get tested in case I'm negative, and then come home and then probably catch it as soon as I get home. So we'll we'll, sure. we'll wait. You know, we'll give it about a week. I'm quarantining myself anyway so yeah not much to do but uh sit around and be productive and watch movies well that's good well you you don't hear on find your film that's our main our main goal we watch a lot each of us me bruce perky eric combs we watch a lot a lot of movies bruce i I'm, my head's jumbled because i i had this idea of where we're gonna go with the pod but you just came off an interview can you tell our listeners what what just happened and what can they expect? Uh, I interviewed the director of Anything for Jackson, which I think I reviewed a couple of episodes ago. And his movie is getting a lot of buzz and it's on Shutter right now. Uh, his name is Justin G. Dyke. You should see that. Well, see or hear that interview here in the next couple of days. Uh, really cool guy. And uh, sounds like it's got a lot of buzz and it's going to probably help him get a lot of other projects. So Very cool. Yeah. Good job, Bruce. And by the way, Bruce Berkey isn't spoon-fed these interviews. He actually, you, you track just, him down. Yeah, I just track him down. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I do. <laughs> I bug people and somebody says yes. And I go, okay, cool. Let's talk. Well, you know, Bruce Berkey, unlike me, I've been a journalist since 1991. Bruce Berkey is actually more of a journalist than me. He, he, uh, he like when he likes something, when he's passionate about a movie, he'll actually track them down and actually contact them. I remember there was a time when people used to do that. Me as a journalist, I I only I get I get spoon fed these interviews. I all these publicists they send me all these screening links, and I, I think I got something for anything for Jackson. The problem is, listeners, I'm a horrible journalist. I I open up maybe ten percent of my emails, and that's just a miserable thing. Eric Holmes, you are named this week Deep Eric. A, a yes. teaser? Why, why are you deep? Is that, are you bragging? Are you trying to go on Tinder with that moniker? What, what is this about? Deep Eric? It is, uh, it's, well, it's barely a pun. It's uh, basically that's, I couldn't come up with a better name. So uh, we're going to talk about Deep Red later. So fuck, I'll put Eric in there. Deep Eric. <laughs> yeah. if, if our moniker is clever, ma- very clever is what it is. Yeah. If our monikers matched our dating profiles, my name, would not be deep, Greg. More like shallow Srizavasti. 
Perk Walkers. Perk Walkers. What is that about Perk Walkers? I'm sure that's that. Is that a movie that you're working on? Did you? Did, it did is. You... It's just it's old men like like myself walking in malls. It's all you know. <laughs> it's very exciting. You can just follow us. It's a tracking shot. Then there's like a following shot, and it's you know. Sounds like a George A. Romero film. Yeah, very similar. A little less uh, <laughs> brain eating, but it's similar otherwise. Yes. We have a big episode. We're, we're, first of all, Eric Holmes. He's he has an extra pass this week. I liked Bruce Berkey usually watches about 30 movies a week. And <laughs> I I usually just kill his dreams by saying, Bruce, you can only do three per week. But Eric Holmes, you get an excused absence from last week. How many movies are you going to put in this week? Uh, we'll, we'll pare it down to uh, six, seven, six, okay. eh, six, I think. We, we got a bunch of rewinds, which <laughs> <Yeah>. were <laughs> actually the regular wines last week. But uh, thank you guys for, you know, Taking the reins there, we had some uh, stuff happen in the middle of uh, recording because that's the kind of wild west world we're living in. <laughs> wild, wild west world we live in. Speaking of yeah. west, west and westerns, I've been trying to force down these guys' cinematic throats. This movie called, I think it's called The Great Silence, and I think Eric Holmes is halfway done with that movie. Hey, you're halfway done with it, right, Eric? So far, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I can't wait. Listeners, if you haven't heard about The Great Silence, The Great Silence is something that maybe I think me and Eric, at least me and Eric, maybe Bruce, who knows, but me and Eric will be covering next week. Okay, I, f- I forget the name of the director. I love this movie. Sergio Corbucci. Corbucci. Very good. I can't talk. Corbucci. Directed by Sergio Corbucci. That's a little teaser for next week because The Great Silence is a direct homage to The Hateful Eight. Did you see that, Eric, a little bit? You saw a little bit of that? Yeah. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Bruce, are you excited when I say it's a it's an homage the Hateful Eight is is uh it it influenced the Hateful Eight. Were you a fan of the Hateful Eight or does that not whet your appetite whatsoever regarding um, it was good. It was it was I would say it was mid level Tarantino. It was it wasn't bad. It was a little um a little much like a play. Like the, mm. I wanted to I wanted to see it spread as wings a little bit. But I mean, you know, it was Tarantino, so it's always fun. But then again, I know that I'm going to watch some other movie and later find out that like 90% of it's something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so again, we have a lot where eventually I, I tease for next week. But this episode, earlier during our Find Your Film existence, one of, our, one of Bruce's first picks for director spotlight, he decided to go against the grain and pick two filmmakers. He picked Mario Baba and Dario Argento. A bunch of episodes back, we, we spotlighted Baba's Blood and Black Lace and Dario Argento Suspiria. Both he and Eric wanted me to see both movies. And for this episode, Bruce Berkey has, speaking of just forcing people to watch stuff in a very friendly fashion, he has really, I, you know, I, I still haven't seen Rosemary's Baby. Sorry, Bruce Berkey, but he's he's been hammering the, th- the, the thing that I should see Deep Red. It should be a movie that should be right up my alley since I'm a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock and Brian De Palma. So this week we are, are doing a little bit of a, not a new movie, but a movie that is considered a classic, Dario Argento's Deep Red. That will be our big movie this week. Before we get to our big movie this week, we're also going, oh, by the way, today I also saw Wonder Woman 1984. And that movie comes out via HBO Max on Friday. We're very excited. I'm sure most people are very excited to see this movie. Eric Combs, Deep Eric, Perk Walker's Bruce Perky. Did any of you like the original film, Wonder Woman? I, I thought it was all right. It, it was kind of, yeah. It, it was a it was a comic book movie. It was fun. I you know it was I enjoyed right. it, but but it it wasn't something I'm going to go back to a hundred times. 
Oh, okay. And Bruce, you said it was all right, or was it less than all yeah, right? Yeah, it was. You? It was all right. It was. It was fine. I, I just. It looks like the new one to me. I just keep thinking it's going to be Wonder Woman Ragnarok. It's all I keep thinking when I see it. So. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, you know, I was going to make Wonder Woman our big sexy thing this weekend, and, and I'm going to do it just so we can get, I, I want to get people to listen to our podcast. So I'm going to put Wonder Woman 1984 on our podcast title, along with Dario Argento's Deep Red, just to, just to get eyes on this podcast. I am, that's called clickbaiting, folks, podcast clickbaiting, because I'm going to give you guys my honest opinion of Wonder Woman 1984, just so I can clear it up before we get to Eric Holmes's movie rewinds this week. Wonder Woman 1984. I loved Wonder Woman. Loved it way more than you, Bruce Perky. Loved it way more than you, Eric Holmes. I was. It's been three years. I've been so excited to see the sequel. Got the link in my email. I have to vote for films for your consideration award season. Two hours and thirty five minutes of of a life that I can't take back. I felt horrible watching this. I. I. This is. The, the worst film I've seen all of all, all year. I'm not going to mince words. I usually give movies three and a half, four stars because I see something really interesting about it. Three and a half is usually my rating out of three and a half out of five is at least watch this movie because it has at least some baseline entertainment value. So, or, or maybe even a three stars, maybe that's, you know, maybe interesting enough. Every single minute of Wonder Woman 1984, to me, almost, I would say 90% out of the 100%, 90% of this movie was a slog for me. It took a lot of energy in my, in, my, in my weary bones to finish this film. It is, the script writing is abysmal. Chris, Kristen Wiig, Kristen Wiig, she's, she plays one of the villains, great character, and they buried the solid performance, interesting person. They buried the lead. They should have had her at the forefront. There's another villain played by Pedro Pascal. He's the aka the Mandalorian. He's the other villain and his character is just so uninteresting and boring and ultimately he ends up being the biggest part of Wonder Woman 1984. Listeners, you've seen if you've seen the trailer, you've seen Chris Pine in the trailer. I'm not going to spoil this movie for you. I'm not going to spoil how he gets into this the fabric of the narrative, but all I can say is I understand that most people will not listen to me. If they have HBO Max, you're going to have to, it's part of the deal. You're going to have to watch it. But just know for two hours and 35 minutes, there will be a good chance you're going to be highly disappointed at the product you're seeing. I'm trying to think of really wonderful things to say about this. Gal Gadot is a, an A-list actress. You can tell she's really trying. She works hard to be Wonder Woman. She, she's convincing, but what's not convincing is this script that just does not work. We've talked about screenwriters like David Mamet. If I'm not saying David Mamet and a Wonder Woman movie would be the perfect marriage, but please, someone next time there's another Wonder Woman, let's get some writers who know something about structure, execution, insightful storylines. There is a sequence in this movie. Do you guys remember that scene from the first movie, The No Man's Land, where she walks into all the hail of bullets from the opposite? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yep. Okay. So that that's the that's the the showy moment in Wonder Woman for me. That's the that's the most memorable, great moment for me. Loved it. One of my favorite sequences in comic book cinema history. There's a moment like sort of a moment like that here in Wonder Woman 1984. And instead of using original source or an original score during that big moment, they used a section of a score from a movie that I really enjoy and a score I really loved. And I go. 
what the F are you doing? Why did you just do that? And obviously a lot of people won't know that score, but for the people who do, they're just, you're, you're just going to shake your head. You know, when Quentin Tarantino does it and puts Ennio Morricone stuff in his movies, it makes sense because then he mixes it with original stuff too, but rest in peace, Ennio Morricone. But I mean, I just, I just did not like this movie whatsoever. So again, Wonder Woman 1984, that's the movie, current movie that's coming out on Friday. Would love to hear what you guys think about it. But out of five stars, I give this a generous one out of five stars. Okay, so we're doing a movie rewind right now. Movie rewind in the segment. Our movie rewind Jeez. segments is where each of us. I know Eric Holmes is a little. Tell us how you really feel, Greg. Yeah, I know. No, I'm. So, I'm sorry. I I love the whole Wonder Woman franchise. I'm hopefully the next installment will have a just will at least be solid. Escape is fair. I re, and this come. This is coming from a guy who really loved the first one. This was a huge disappointment. So I got a. I, yeah. I got a question. Uh, because normally uh, with the superhero movies and the Star Wars and whatnot, you know, there's a lot of hype build up to it. And then you watch it in theaters with like packed house. Do you think maybe that had something to do with it since you're watching it by yourself at home? You know, it doesn't the whiz bang and flashy lights and stuff maybe doesn't hit you as well as maybe it would had you seen it in the theater. Because I, I noticed like a lot of a lot of comic book movies you're watching in the theater, at least for me, I'm like, woohoo, yeah, go Spider-Man. Then I get home and kind of forget about it and never Good. really go back to it. I, I, I wonder if that's what you're feeling with this movie is watching it without the hype, without watching it in the theater. And now you just get to see the movie for that's what a, it actually is. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's a good point. Most people hate suicide kings suicide squad suicide not not suicide kings that's that's a movie with chris walken suicide squad a lot of people don't like it i'm sure both of you didn't like it eh, Did both? Yeah. no no, it's not no? Good. okay i really enjoyed that movie i saw that on an ipad <laughs> on my ipad so i could see how some of the flaws but i i was lost i ended up really enjoying that film love david ayer okay that's i'm a david ayer apologist but this movie i was trying to think of the same thing if i saw wonder woman 19 84 in the theaters, it would have been like watching Battlefield Earth. It would have been a struggle to even stay in the theater. <laughs> well, that sounds even, so bad. <laughs> even, no, no. I'm telling you, the, even the VFX, the the, the the action scenes in this movie yeah. fall, fell flat for me. And I knew, even watch, I did see this on my iPad. This this movie, you can see the scope of the movie. And, you know, I could, I could watch, I don't mind watching Lawrence of Arabia on my iPad. I have a nice iPad. This movie aimed for a very big visual scope and it failed in all aspects. This is one of the movies that is fine if you're watching it on HBO Max where you when you press on your app and it opens up on your television. It's a movie that is supposedly set for the theaters, but you know what? To be honest, you could watch it on the proverbial boob tube. We can still say boob tube, right? Boob tube back in the 80s. Remember when they used to call television or not? Okay. I'm going to cut that out. Anyways, I'm not going to cut that out. So television, boob tube, whatever. Yeah. it's. I, I, hope, I hope I don't get too much hate mail or, or comments regarding this, but two hours and 35 minutes. Yeah. Not really good at all. Would love to hear what you guys think, Bruce and Eric, if you ever get to watching. I don't know if actually, I think Eric, you have HBO Max. So maybe you might yeah. give that, you might give that a shot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I I suggest you just watch more Sergio Carbucci films, but I am not your keeper. But okay. what 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 the hell? I'll take that bullet. <laughs> okay, okay. You know, you know. I think Bruce. You said Tenet is a turd. Is that one? Is Tenet, by the way, one of your 
one of the worst films for you? We all know. Um, it was definitely like, I mean, to me, it was kind of like Wonder Woman when it was, was for you. It, like, it was a big disappointment. Mm. So, but I, I don't think I rated it as low as you're rating Wonder Woman. So, wow. It okay. Probably rates mm. better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What would you rate Fat Man? I don't remember what I rated it. It's somewhere in the two to one and a half star range for me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Bruce has a lot of movies to get to. We're going to get to your movies, Bruce. Eric Holmes is going to kick off this segment with our movie rewind where, you know, someone reviews a movie one week and another one of us, maybe we'll see a movie and then we'll, we'll do the rewind. This, this, the onus here is with Eric Holmes. Deep, Eric. What movies do you have for us on the rewind? All right, I got a couple of them, sir. A breeze past these, but uh, one of them I saw was Northern Soul with uh, Elliot Langridge, a 2014 movie directed by Elaine Constantine and written by Elaine Constantine. It's uh, Elliot James, Steve Coogan, and it's uh, I would. I'll just read the thing. Set in 1974, authentic and uplifting tale of two friends whose horizons are opened up by the discovery of black American soul music. This movie was pretty fantastic. It reminded me of like a good version of Footloose with like some Boogie Nights sprinkled in there. It it, it was kind of silly a little bit because I didn't quite understand the, uh, like that they're really excited about music and you just got one guy dancing in the middle and then Elliot Langridge kind of joins them. And then as it progresses, it becomes this whole huge movement and i much like Footloose, where it's like, wait, dancing was illegal? That's stupid. No, that happened. And same here. It's like, wait, the, like there's a movement on, you know, soul music in England? Oh, I, okay. I guess so. But how's the was, music? Uh, how's the soul music in this one? Do you like Oh, the, the music's awesome. The music's, oh, okay. I, and, and it's right up my alley, too. So, yeah, the, the soundtrack on this is probably one of the best. I've, <laughs> it's right up my alley. Uh, the the only thing that could made it better is if they threw in like Faith No More and Slayer in there just for no reason, <laughs> just just to vary um, the palette up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, this is a really good movie. I would seek it out, and it, it's it goes dark places, but this is a real hopeful movie, I think, and a real fun movie. You know, they they do the the falling into drugs and hitting rock bottom sort of thing, but they don't they don't linger on that because that's not what the movie is about. The movie's about like kind of. Uh, discovering discovering art and appreciating it and it, you know you would think that that sounds kind of uh, a little cheesy or whatever and maybe it is but i i this kind of came off as genuine and i really i really like this one okay so northern soul it stars steve coogan has a small part in this but it, it's headlined by i believe elliot james language who yeah. right who bruce porky and and eric holmes they they interviewed him couple of weeks ago for his latest film max cloud but that interview is up on our on our find your film feed as well podcast feed if you want to check out that interview elliot james language plays john clark in northern soul which is currently streaming on amazon prime video eric you're just gonna say move on to the next one another elliot language joint uh this one directed by martin owen who also did max cloud and it is called Killers Anonymous. And I believe, Greg, you did you actually review this one last week or did you kind of touch on it? I just, this is sort of a rewind. I, I just quasi rewind. I mentioned how much I really enjoyed Killers Anonymous, released in 2019, starring Gary uh, Oldman. And yeah. it's currently street, currently you can watch it on Hulu. So what did you think about this one, Eric? I like this one a lot too. <laughs> um, I, 
Elliot Langridge is three for three for me uh, between uh, this Northern Soul and Max Cloud, and uh, he'll be four for four uh, later on <laughs> in the episode. But uh, yeah, I, I cannot, I cannot tell you how excited I am that we got to talk to him and then eventually go down as the rabbit hole because, well, just to set this one up, it's uh, basically a support group for a support group for hired assassins or killers, and it's kind of what you think it is at first. And then it turns into something else. And I don't really want to say much more than that because the it, it, it does those twists and turns. But this one's this one's a really fun movie. Kind of lighthearted, kind of lighthearted, kind of silly, but not not too silly. Not like a not like Max Cloud. This is more like a kind of like Smoking Aces, I guess. Does that yeah, make it's sense? Kind of smoking Aces, um, the cl- the claustrophobia of something like a Reservoir Dogs, where everyone's or you know yeah. they're, they're just stuck in a in a room, and it's an indie film. And what I really loved for my re- recollection of Killers Anonymous is it's for that kind of genre. It's a really well it's it's a well written movie, it has, and it has some good acting in it. Jessica Alba's in it, Gary Oldman's in it, but the big swerve is they're not really the big actors. They're just they're just part of the. They're just part of the whole collage thing. And yeah. and Tommy Flanagan's in it. He's great. So there, there's some Tommy Flanagan who was also in Max Cloud. Mm-hmm. So this I Eric, you see this like Martin Owens, he's he's doing really well for himself as a filmmaker. He's he yeah. has his own kind of crew, right? You know? Yeah. And and uh like this one's this one's a lot different than Max Cloud and he he's got kind of that Danny Boyle that his movies don't look like Danny Boyle's, but Danny Boyle in the sense that I get the feeling that he wants to uh try out different genres. Like yes. you know. Oh, okay. We did the we did the we did the uh, video game movie. Let's do the serial killer movie. Oh, we're gonna you know maybe uh who knows maybe we'll catch a romantic comedy from him someday. And I'm sure he's gonna nail that because he's nailed the last two. I've um, and it has it's it's also ambitious because it has a, if I recall like it's sort of a nonlinear narrative. You know if you've seen some of you know it's like sort of Quentin Tarantino school of storytelling a little bit too. I mean, I, I think it's it's a really fun movie to watch. I, I was pleasantly surprised with Killers Anonymous. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's all it's also one of those that uh, it kind of invites you in. Doesn't seem like the right term, but it, it draws you in, I guess. Yes, and 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 that's kind of why I don't want to say too much about past the uh, support group thing because you know, okay, this is a cool thing, and then something happens. It's like, wait, what's that? And then you see someone in a place, and you're like, well, what's that all about? And then it it just kind of keeps building, building. Just, digging its claws in me and pulling me into it. Yeah, I am Bruce. I'm going to say this and it's not so much of a spoiler, but something, one thing about Killers I just remembered that impressed me was we watch a lot of movies and sometimes you think you know what the story is about. And Eric, Mm -hmm. you alluded to this. Sometimes characters that you think really is sort of that are part of the wallpaper with this movie, they ultimately surface and they become front and center. And I, I rarely see that, Eric. You're, yeah. I, I, I know the perfect thing to just, if you like Bad Time at the El Royale, hmm. the, the, hmm. this would make a great double feature with that. And Bad actually, time. this one has a better ending. So that's <laughs> double better. Yeah, okay. Okay. That is a huge recommendation from, from Eric Holmes, Killers Anonymous. I recommend it too, streaming now on Hulu. And the, I think, Eric, you have one more. For the rewind. Yes, the last one, and I believe this is rewind too, or maybe it's a sidewind. I don't know yet, but it's a 19, <laughs> 1963 Mario Bava movie, Black Sabbath. Yes. So now I always got Black Sabbath and Black Sunday mixed up. And this is, so I'm watching it. It's got three stories. It's a an anthology movie. Yes. It's got, 
Le Telefono, the telephone. What was it? The Marmaduke. Drop the, of water. That was the last one. The Verdulac. And then the, yeah, the Verdulac. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was watching the uh, the telephone came on. I'm like, okay, this this is one I haven't seen. And then the word you like came on. And I'm like, oh, no, no, this is definitely the one I've seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the telephone, that's kind of uh, the Palma, kind of the killers in your house, but not really kind of. But it's it's that kind of story where uh, the phone rings. I can see you. And, and that has some uh, fun twist to it. The word you lack is more of a like a gothic horror, kind of like a Frankenstein or Sweeney Todd, some kind of in that era. That, that one was definitely my favorite. Wow. And then the last... And awesome. then the last, the last one was uh the drop of water. That one was just fucking weird. I kind of like. <laughs> I that love one. that one. <laughs> when when I when I get done with it, I was like, yeah, that, I don't like that one. But now that I'm thinking <laughs> of it. That one's kind of creeping up on me a little bit. But yeah, all, all three of them are all three of them are great, and I would definitely check it out. How did it look on Blu-ray when you saw it? Looked pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> all, because. Yeah. The thing is, I remember the the word you lack. That 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 was the only one I remember seeing. But I remember it in black and white for some reason. Probably because that's the most muted one. Because the rest of them have like really bright colors in certain spots. Uh, but the word you lack is like a lot of blues and kind of toned down colors. So maybe that's why I remembered it in black and white. But I mean, dude, it's a Mario Bava movie. It's going to look fantastic no matter what. He's incapable of making a bad looking movie. So or listeners capable of making a bad looking movie. Uh, yeah. You guys know more than I, I mean, I've only seen a couple of Baba's films, but the synopsis for black Sabbath is quote, three short tales of supernatural horror in the telephone. A woman is plagued by threatening phone calls in the words, lack a family is preyed upon by vampire monsters. Finally in the drop of water, a deceased medium wrecks havoc on the living. What's funny about black Sabbath is me being the De Palma fan, my favorite was the telephone, pacing, the twist, the just the tension. Love it. That was by far my favorite out of the three. That said, love both of the other ones. Bruce Perky's favorite, and he actually hipped both of us into Black Sabbath was uh, several several uh, a couple months ago. He mentioned the Drop of Water, which was his favorite installment of the Black of Black Sabbath. And now, Eric, you, it's so funny that you said Wurzelak is your favorite out of, out of all of them. So each of us so, have different favorites. And it, we need to change the name of the podcast from Find Your Film to Black Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we would get uh, – our, our algorithm will, will skyrocket. But you know, more importantly than each of us picking our own different section of Black Sabbath as our favorite, quote-unquote favorite – by the way, Boris Karloff – is awesome in this movie. He's sort of the Rod Serling part, Rod Serling version. Yeah, he, he, so he's a Twilight Zone Rod Serling guy who does who ties in the anthology anthology together, and he is in the Word Jalak, the second one. But most importantly, Quentin Tarantino mentioned Black Sabbath as one of the early films that influenced him as as a youth to ultimately become a filmmaker slash storyteller. That was Black Sabbath and the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. So. Got to give Mario Bava props. Black Sabbath is currently streaming as as of this recording on Canopy. Bruce and I, we've talked about Bruce. I, I really hope Canopy gets to your to your neck of the woods one of these days. It's streaming on Canopy and also on Shutter. So, Bruce, I'm, I'm, we're not going to tell Bruce to see it because he's seen that a million times because he loves Baba. And um, yeah, that's it. So that's movie rewind. Good job, Eric. And you know what? What's next? We're talking about deep red okay now let's bruce perky yes how would you think that 
I would love deep Dario Argento's deep red. Well, I think it, I think it has a lot of the things that you enjoyed in Suspiria, but I think it's more of a straight, um, like murder crime thriller. So I feel like, I feel like you'd kind of get the best of both worlds and it seems like it would be right up your alley. And I can definitely see it has a, a weirdness to it that is somewhat De Palma-esque. I mean, De Palma's his own thing, but I would feel like this would have some things that you would really enjoy. Yes. Synopsis of Deep Red, quote, a musician witnesses the murder of a famous psychic and then teams up with a feisty reporter to find the killer while evading attempts on their lives by the unseen killer bent on keeping a dark secret buried. Eric Holmes, first time you saw Deep Red, obviously Goblin is a big part of your, has been a big part of your music listening experience. When's the first time you saw Deep Red? Uh, it was a long time ago. Um, Probably around Splatterhouse days, I think. Uh, so 15 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was it, It's been a while. Was that one of the films that got you into Jalo Cinema or Goblin or any, any of that kind of stuff? No, it, it's weird because uh, the Jello didn't grab me right away. It's not something I really liked at first. And it, it was, uh, I want to say it was a thrill or a cruel picture, maybe, that kind of got me into it because I was just in the right frame of mind when watching it. And then saw Lizard in a Woman's Skin and then Suspiria and so on and so forth. And, and then just kind of slowly got into it. Uh, it wasn't like a love at first sight thing for me. Okay. Bruce? Was it a love at first sight for you? First time? You uh, I think I was already into Argento stuff by the time I got Deep Red. <laughs> Deep Red was one of those that got released in America on video a little late. And it, it originally had a cut version. You could get a U.S. cut, and the U.S. cut was missing some stuff. Same with Suspiria. And then I got it again. I saw it two or three times on video, VHS. And then I got it again when it came out in DVD, you know, maybe 10 years, 12 years later. And then it's appears streaming now so you can get really pristine cuts of it now so yeah, deep red's currently streaming on prime video on hoopla voodoo Tubi, shutter it's considered i've been reading reviews it's considered argento's best film do you think that's accurate do you guys think it's accurate or do you think it's just it's one of his best films i, w- I would say one of uh he's but i don't know kind of to that point he's doing stuff in deep red that's that he does a lot better than in his other movies, as far as like the technical stuff and the way the camera moves and you know the way the backgrounds kind of fit in the themes of what the what the movie's about and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely make a very easy argument that it is. Bruce, what do you think? I think it's in the run of his best stuff, and I think it's just a matter. It's kind of like we just talked about with Black Sabbath. I think depending on your taste, anything from this movie up to maybe opera. There's probably about six or seven movies there. Any one of those could be your favorite, kind of depending on your taste. They all have great stuff either way. So So, as a Hitchcock fan and a Palma fan, I, I was supposed to really, really love Deep Red. And I did. But here's this, this is a good but, though. Good, good one. This is a good one. It's two hours. It says runtime's two hours, seven minutes. Bruce, like you said, there are different cuts released over the years and everything like that. It's streaming everywhere. So I'm, I'm sure with Amazon Prime, I saw the best cut. Looks good on Amazon Prime Video, by the way. You, and you actually were, were telling me it looked fine too. I this is such a visually immersive film, but it scared the living crap out of me. It is a scary film if you're really into this whole mystery. It blends. 
it, it takes Hitchcock and De Palma to a certain different level, to a more paranormal level. So it has some of those elements. And then it gets obviously a little bit more violent than a Hitchcock film. And sometimes maybe it might rival De Palma, maybe stretches that are even maybe even more violent than a De Palma film. I, I don't know, but um, I, I really, this thing, the thing about this movie that really grabbed me was this is a type of film that is so good the first time you see it, but then you realize this, the story itself is so not convoluted, but so layered that you're going to need to watch it probably another time and a third time to even get all of the all of the mystery about it. First of all, the mystery yeah. is really really well done. The paranormal stuff is not cheesy. And even when they when it gets operatic and quote unquote cheesy, that cheesy fits in the realm of cinema, right? With it with Jalo cinema. And I think I don't think this is an acquired taste. This is one of those movies if you love cinema and don't mind being scared and don't mind a little bit of deep red aka blood bloodletting this is a movie that's that's for you and you can also see i don't know much about giallo as much as you guys do but you can see how argento is really influenced by by baba's stuff like the blood and black lace Mm -hmm. stuff and that translates you know blood and black lace when you watch that even though that's violent as well baba sets it up in such a in such a beautiful way it's very eye-catching but something like this, it's eye-catching, but it's also really can scare the bejesus out of you. Is that what, what stood out for you, um, Bruce, regarding what makes Deep Red a transcendent experience? Yeah, you covered a lot of the things I would agree with. It has that really weird, in- intricate plot. And it has, and I'm not going to say anything because I could spoil some big things, but there are some revelations and the way clues are given to you earlier on that when you watch it again are pretty awesome. And you can see some things when you see it again that you didn't catch the first time because the way he's drawing your eye to different things. I wanted to bring up one thing about, you're talking about the kind of visceral nature of it and how the kind of the blood and everything. He specifically created all of the deaths in this movie to be things that people could relate to because he said that, well, you can have gunshots, but most people haven't been shot by a gun. But all of the trauma in this movie, every kind of trauma he does, and I'm not going to say what they are, he does things that everyone has had some version of in their life. So that every time you see the pain, it might hit you a little harder. So like, for example, a person gets burned in a certain way in this movie. Well, everyone's been burned in oh. some way. So you can get that and go like, oh, that would be intensely painful. So no matter what, there's probably a murder or a killing in this that will get you. If one doesn't, another one probably will. And then I just want, only thing I mentioned, I'll let you guys go on. We talked again about the shots. There are some shots outside, and I think it's supposed to be Rome. It may be Rome or Turin. I'm not sure. There are some shots outside, especially some crane shots where you've got the fountain, and then you've got the the uh, diner, like all in the distance, that are just stunning for any movie. Period, yeah. and they're just amazing. And he he just puts them in there, you know, like here you are. <laughs> it's like wow, that's so good. It's such so a- were the yeah, were those ahead. you said outside? Those those weren't on location, were they? Because it looks like a set. They they have to be on location. Those are way too big. Those are those are on location. Those are real fountains and stuff. Well, well shit. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, what did you get the, the, with the rewatch of this movie? What did what did you did you find something that you hadn't seen uh, before? One thing in particular, I noticed. I can I can mention the shot, but I don't want to mention why I thought it was cool. But maybe you can piece it together. But him and his friend and the cameras, it, it, it was right outside the. Uh, I think it was in front of the fountain. But his friend keeps backing up, and the camera keeps going back. Mm-hmm. And going back and just widening 
widening the frame. So he, at the end of it, he's on this side, and he's on this side, and they're all you know real tiny. And uh, I saw that, and I was like, oh okay, yeah, that's. Uh, I don't want to say much more than that, but it, if you know how it ends, you know why that is significant that that they spread apart like that. That was really cool. I've noticed this before, but it it does need to be said. The uh, the extras in this movie are really fucking weird. Yes, that little girl. <laughs> All of what them, the because fuck? because like okay, when it comes down to that diner, it's like oh, it's the painting of the diner, and then but they're not moving, so it's like oh, they just got mannequins, but then it stays on long enough, and you kind of see them they move a little bit. It's 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 just one of those little details, or like when uh, they're talking in the uh, alley, and you just see like just people staring at the wall, trying <laughs> yes. not to look at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but it's it's like. Kind of makes sense. Uh, like it fills in the screen, fills in the background, but it's not too still, but it's just still enough to make it uh, something kind of eerie about that. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I, yeah. <laughs> I so, spent special uh, kudos to the extras in Deep Red. <laughs> yeah. By the way, it, the movie stars David Hemmings, who was a huge star in his day. I believe Hemmings also starred in the classic. Michelangelo Antonioni film Blow Up and it co-stars also the person who plays the feisty reporter is Daria Nicolodi Daria Nicolodi she is she was a longtime companion of Dario Argento and she is the mother of Asia Argento Daria Nicolodi I just I just found out this morning just googling her stuff she recently passed away passed away in November so yeah she's very good in this movie as well there's things that Dario plays in this, with this movie. You're supposed to try to guess who the killer is. Mm-hmm. And he'll do things where you go, oh, okay. Yeah, he just did this. And this person is blah, blah, blah. And you're, you're thinking that it's going to be, I mean, there's a good chance you're not going to get it right. That's all I'm saying at the end. He, he plays with conventions a lot with Deep Red. And I, I really love how he actually went for it with certain sequences when when you really delve into the mind of trauma and, mm-hmm. and past, there's a lot of the, there's a lot of stuff that you can really sift through with with Deep Red. You can enjoy it just as a visceral experience, but yes. if you're like Bruce and Eric over the years, you can revisit this and get more from Deep Red. I wish I could say the same thing about Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> so yeah, sorry about that shot, but yeah, Dario Argento is the man. I can't wait to see more of his films. I have actually a, a Blu-ray of this movie called Cat of Nine Tales. I'm, I'm mm. right. Check that out. I don't know if, if, yeah. if it's good. You saw it? You saw it a long time ago? Yeah, that's yeah. one of his... Earlier ones, yeah. Earlier ones. That one and The Bird of the Crystal Plumage. Those are like really early ones. They're okay? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're a little more... Um, They're a little less... Like, as you get to Deep Red and go beyond, he's much more like flourishes of like... He really falls into his style so you're going to see those early ones are a little more um a little more traditional looking they're not quite so garishly colorful but they're still you every single movie of his at least up until way late ones there are moments that you'll just be like wow even if you didn't love the movie there's moments that'll just be like that is an incredible sequence there yeah and of course the goblin soundtrack that's in a few of the movies just elevates it that much more so I would uh I would warn anyone uh that hasn't seen this yet. I'm trying to say this, trying to figure out how to say this without giving spoilers. Towards the end, there's gonna be a part where you want to throw your remote at the screen and say that doesn't fucking make sense, and then wanna just yeah. 
keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> okay, it, yeah. It comes around. It comes around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it and does. his his narratives aren't known for being the most sensical anyway, but yeah. this one actually is okay. It's all right. Yeah. It makes it makes more sense than you think it does in that spot that he's talking about. So it makes total sense. But yeah, you, you start going, uh, wait a second. Oh, hello. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's I, it, high recommendation. Again, it's streaming. You got to see it. It is scary. Don't, if, you, if, if you're a scaredy cat, be, be warned. It, it will, it will creep you out. Also, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's, what's interesting with Argento, he's such an interesting filmmaker that you can actually become invested in people who aren't actually have a ton of screen time. Yeah. And you just hope that they're okay. And a lot of filmmakers, they don't have that kind of talent that Argento has. Just, it's just really, really good stuff. Really. So thank you guys so much for that recommendation for our deep red experience. Now we're going to go to our movie picks. Bruce Perky, what's your first oh, yes. pick? Uh, my first pick is one of my favorite movies of the year. This, unfortunately, for most of you, is only available only available on Apple TV Plus. Mm. It's the only place you can get it. Now, you might be like me, and you might have Apple TV Plus and not even know it. So go look into it. <laughs> <laughs> Along with that U2 album, right? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> if you do have access to Apple TV Plus, I would highly recommend it. If not, this will probably be out in some form of physical media pretty soon. It's getting a fair amount of buzz to people who have seen it, and that is the animated film Wolf Walkers, directed by uh, Tom Moore and Ross Stewart. They've done a couple other animated features, but I have not seen, so I can't vouch for them. But this movie is just wonderful. And it to me, it's kind of the epitome of what a really great animated kids movie is in the sense that a lot of them will do like a bunch of in-jokes and grown-up jokes to make grown-ups want to enjoy it or stick around for it. This is just a movie that has great characters and a great story. So as an adult or a kid, you could enjoy it. So I think it's done with solid, you know, solid bones to make it a great movie, period. Basic concept is that a girl and her father are from England and they are in Ireland. This is in the past, like, I don't know, the period 1600s or 1500s or something like that. They are sent to Ireland by an outpost in Ireland to rid the wolves from this the woods that are outside of this kind of this town this city that's being built up and there's some subtext of you know british versus irish you know kind of stuff going on but the main story is this little girl who wants to be a hunter like her dad she's got her little pet falcon that she brings with her uh, named merlin her name's robin she's played by honor nefsi that's her dad is played by sean bean so awesome Got Sean Bean's voice in there. And then when she goes out into the woods one time, she meets a girl that's in the woods. And there's this idea or this kind of this folktale of wolf walkers. And that are these people that kind of are living out in the woods who can talk and control the wolves. And there's a whole thing that's kind of Lady Hawk-esque where a wolf walker, when they're, they're a human during the day, but when they're asleep, they kind of like transport out of their body and they literally are a wolf while their body is sleeping. And that's just kind of the the basic concept of it. But what really makes it beautiful and awesome is just the characters are super clearly drawn, super engaging. You love them. You you root for everybody. Her dad and the dad-daughter relationship is really good. You know, he's looking out for her. He doesn't want her involved with the, the wolves or anything. He's supposed to kill the wolves. And of course, 
you've got this girl that she meets, which is like this free spirit, you know, kind of child of nature, right? And then on top of that, you have this wonderfully hand-drawn style of animation. So it's not mm-hmm. that anime look, and it's not the Pixar look. It's its own very unique stylized hand-drawn looking animation and it's beautiful and wonderful and it's just a great story all the way through i I loved it so so much and i i can't imagine many people that would even think it sounds good who would not like this movie so Hmm. wolf walkers by the way honor nefsi honor nefsi i she's a very good actress i i loved her in this movie that you guys will never see it's called the bookshop it's a it's a movie with emily mortimer it was mm-hmm. released in 2017. She was very good in this movie. Angie Clark recommended the bookshop, but I see the bookshop. I saw it. Really enjoy it. Enjoyed it. But Honor Nifty, earlier this year, she starred in this movie called Legacy of Lies with Scott Adkins, and she played the daughter of Scott Adkins in Legacy of Lies. So we we all know her. Yeah, <laughs> Eric, we, we all know her from Legacy of Lies. So obviously, Wolf Walkers is getting more of that attention. So really excited to see. Again, it's on Apple, like you said, Apple TV Plus, but it's like it's one of your favorites this year. This is sort of and it looks the animation looks really, really beautiful. So do you think it'll win an Oscar for animation? Uh, it should definitely be it'll definitely be in the running. There's no doubt it'll be in the running. I mean, it's hard because there's probably Soul is gonna be there, I think, from Pixar this mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's gonna be hard to beat that. But and it might it could get nominated, I guess, as best international feature or foreign feature. Cause I think no. it's not out of, I don't think it's an American feature, but I mean, I doubt they don't usually do animation double dip like that, you know, put them into the foreign feature category, but eh, we'll see. Okay. All right. Wolf Walker's huge recommendation from Bruce Perky. Eric Holmes, you are up for your, for your first recommendation. All right. So I got one or two of them. You know what? We'll just uh, stick on the Elliot language uh, train because I love being on it so much. <laughs> Uh, I saw a Lauren McKenzie, written and directed by Lauren McKenzie, came out in 2008, and it's called We the Kings. So Elliot Langridge plays Jack, and he's uh, uh, he seems kind of like a little, you know, troublemaker type kid. And uh, he busts into this house, and I think he thinks it's empty, and it turns out there's this old guy, this old guy living there, and he wasn't expecting him there. And the old guy kind of has, um, he's not all there mentally. He can't talk, kind of has a, a brain of a child. And he just kind of, he just kind of hangs out at this house. And then when the old guy's caretakers come over, Jack or Elliot Language's character just hides in this closet until they leave and then he comes out and he's, he's basically laying low because they end up watching TV and you find out that there was an arson thing that presumably he had something to do with and so he's just laying low until someone can get him help and then he can move on but until then he's stuck with this old guy and the old guy's trying to get help from his caretakers but he can't talk to them (laughs) and uh it's a good premise i like that yeah and there's a ton more and i can't get into any of it but as the as the story goes along you find out who the old guy is you find out why he was there to begin with why he did the arson you find out all that but that all that all comes later but just yeah as you said the the premise itself is pretty gripping that uh it's just those you know it's mostly a two-hander until it's not anymore 
Um, but mm. this is a really good movie. And uh, again, Elliot Langridge plays yet another completely different character than he has. This guy's the real deal. He's like, he's like, he is. Yeah. He's like uh, Casey Affleck and Gary Oldman just smashed, had a baby and made Elliot Langridge. I'm, I'm loving everything I'm seeing this guy in. You know what's I, so funny is, sorry, Bruce, you were going to say. I was going to say, I think he's doing the work right now. And all of a sudden he's going to, he's going to burst out with a role and everyone's going to go back and go like, wow, this guy's been doing good stuff for a while. So yeah. yeah. Very cool. You know, it's so funny. Now you guys actually, since you've interviewed him, you you can understand what I, what, how I feel, you know, with, with all the people I've interviewed, it's, it's weird because once you, you interview someone and then months or years later, you happen upon their work and you start to say to yourself, man, I wish I asked, <laughs> I wish I, I asked them this question because I already saw this movie. I wish I saw it before the interview. So you guys, once you guys do a lot more interviews, you're going to, you're going to probably get that, which is probably what you're feeling. Eric, you would have asked him a whole bunch of we, the Kings question during your max cloud interview, probably uh, about a hundred of them. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, so, but yeah, the, yeah, this one, it, it you know, it, this one's a little slower. It's got kind of a similar tone to sound of metal where it's just that real quiet, kind of slow, takes its time. And then as the movie goes, it just keeps ramping up and ramping up. And then uh, it does flashbacks with other characters. So, you know, does that flashback and kind of a flash forward too. So it almost does the Dunkirk thing, but not quite. But yeah, th- this is a really cool movie. And I'm <laughs> surprised I haven't even heard of this because this is fantastic. Well, it, it goes back to Bruce, what you were saying, what last week, a couple of weeks ago, that thanks to just meeting just these people, yeah. you get you get really introduced to a whole world of cinema that probably we wouldn't have touched, right? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the whole point of this for us too, right? Like, you know, we talk about what, eight, nine movies an episode and one movie might sound interesting to somebody and they'll watch that movie and be like, oh, never heard that movie before. And then all of a sudden they found a cool movie. So hopefully we do that too, you know? Yeah, definitely. We the Kings currently streaming for free on Hoopla, H-O-O-P-L-A. If you have a library card, that means subscribe to Hoopla. It's free. So Or there. you can rent it on YouTube like I did and throw some money at the filmmakers because they absolutely deserve it on this one. Well, they deserve it on all of them, but particularly this one. Okay, don't listen to me. Listen to Eric. That sounds actually more viable, more or better to either choice, either choice. I really got to promote YouTube one of these days because, yeah, you can rent it on YouTube, Vudu, Redbox, Apple TV. But Eric Holmes, he should be working for YouTube right now because a lot of his, a lot of his monies, his monies go into YouTube watching movies. I, I've never used that platform to watch movies. That might be an interesting platform to use one of these days. So, Bruce, your next pick. What's your next pick? Yes, my next pick. I had heard about this movie for a while and then I'd forgotten about it. It fell off my radar. And then recently on middle class film class, they had mentioned this movie. I went, Oh my gosh, I never went and watched that movie. So I went back and pulled it up today and watched it. And boy, am I glad I watched this movie. This is actually, unfortunately only available on shutter right now. So it's my shutter pick of the week. As usual, this is a 1989, <laughs> 1989 movie called deadly games. Also known as dial code Santa Claus. Hmm. And there's another name of it that's in French, which I won't take. This is a French movie from 1989, a year before Home Alone, a year after Die Hard. That is important to say that because the concept of this movie is you've got this really rich kid. He's probably about eight or nine French kid lives in this giant mansion. It's Christmas Eve. He is a super genius, almost like a Richie Rich. 
he's created all of these like gadgets and he's like this remote controlled like camera system he's got traps he's made around the house because he likes to play around the house with his dog and he pretends to be like a commando in fact the opening sequence of this movie is him to a survivor eye of the tiger like song in french (laughs) suiting up in a full mulleted commando style outfit and running around his house having fun what is this movie well it's also a little bit like home alone in that a guy that was being a santa claus a super creepy dude who was being a santa claus in his mother's department store finds out the house that the kid lives in and goes to invade it and it is not for kids This is like the 80s action movie you never knew existed and will blow your mind. So you imagine Die Hard meets Home Alone with violence, with montages, with (laughs) production values that rival the best 80s action movies. This movie looks amazing. And even a little tiny tinges of Tim Burton. Like the house they live in is sometimes it's like this super elaborate model you're seeing. This movie is undescribable, indescribable. It is insane. (laughs) Uh, I guess I should call it Thomas is the kid played by Alan Lalonde. Uh, Santa's played by Patrick Florsheim. I mean, he's a super creepy dude at one point (laughs) because he doesn't have the, he had the fake beard when he was the fake Santa. He ends up making his way to the house. He doesn't have a fake beard anymore. And there's a sequence where he grabs spray on snow and slowly sprays the beard white before he goes on his murder spree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, the sequences in here, are I, I can't describe it. It's, it's a world unto its own. There's one thing that happens about halfway through that really pissed me off. There's a character mm-hmm. that you love that gets killed, but it's used to amazing dramatic effect and really increases your rooting for the little kid later on. And no one is safe. I mean, violence occurs to everybody. And I swear there is stuff in here that is straight up diehard that the kid does. And I can't even describe it. It's amazing. That's huge. What do the guys from middle-class film class say about this movie? They really, they all loved it. They didn't fully review it. It just got the name of it got dropped. And I went, wait a second. I remember hearing about that movie and I went and looked to see if it was available oh. anywhere. So they actually haven't really talked about it. It's just one of those bonkers movies that I guess it kind of disappeared for a while because it looks like it's just this weird genre movie. It doesn't look like it's anything special. That and it got like recently, res- yeah, it got recently restored and like fully like restored. So it looks beautiful. The shutter, the transfer and shutter is amazing. I-, I was not only the weirdness of the movie itself blew me away, but it looks really good. I mean, this is like, like I said, it's like high end action movie cinematography and sets and everything it's not cheap this is not like a cheap grindhouse horror movie this is not a even a silent night deadly night this is much more akin to die hard (laughs) it's so weird i so want to see this movie now you won't know until you see it i was telling eric he needs to watch this movie okay so it's deadly games aka (laughs) dial code silently (laughs) dial code santa claus it's available on shutter i every single week bruce reminds me to get shutter and i I never do (laughs) It's just one of those things. It's just really one of those things. I, don't, I think I'm going to eventually, this this might be the one. This might be the one that will make me go see. I, of course, I said that several <laughs> weeks ago <laughs> with anything for Jackson, right? I said that. I <laughs> want you to hear the songs in this movie. <laughs> I want you to hear the songs in this movie because there's two, there's two songs. I'll just say it really quick. The one song I said, like the opening song, which is kind of very Survivor-esque, 
There's another song later on that's almost like what's her name that does uh oh Bonnie Bonnie Tyler Bobby, Bonnie Hunt Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie Tyler Bonnie Tyler yes yeah. it's like a Bonnie Tyler song it's in English and it's talking about Santa and killing and stuff and it's during a, a arming himself montage so you this kid arming himself and and creating weapons montage that is just kill his ass santa rip his fucking throat all apart and i need you more tonight (laughs) kind of it's kind of like that and it's kind of amazing and kind of wonderful so uh, yeah it's a thing (laughs) wow it's a it's definitely a thing it sounds like one of those movies you you wish it's on blu-ray it's one of those kind of you want to get it if it's so good yes it is it is the type i would want to get for sure okay i have a very Tough question for you, Bruce Berkey. You have a you have twenty. Well, you have thirty bucks to buy a special edition Blu-ray. Do you get dial? What is it? Dial code Santa, or <laughs> do you pick up Road Games? Oof, they're different, man. I like them both so much. You have thirty. It's only thirty bucks. You, you got to pick one. Both uh, of them are special editions. I probably still get Road Games. Okay, well, Road Games is a classic. Eric Holmes, we, we, uh, me and Bruce apologize to you that we should have over the weeks. And listeners, if you haven't, we we reviewed Road Games. I don't know. I'm, I got to look up what episode. I don't number the episodes because I'm an idiot. But, you know, they said that you shouldn't number your episodes anyway. Anyways, I don't know what I'm talking about. But we, we did do Road Games on a past Find Your Film episode. And we haven't hammered to you, Eric Holmes, to actually watch this movie because this is a movie that you would love. Wait, you did see this movie. Did you see it? Did I? I don't think. Did you see it with Stacey Keach? Got... Wait, wait, Stacey Keach, Jamie Lee Curtis. You know why I'm thinking? Because Bruce Perky, I remember telling Bruce Perky the ending of Road Games reminded me of Wages of Fear. There's a certain sequence. Oh, okay. But you didn't see it. You still haven't seen Road Games. I don't think so. Cool. Very I might cool. have to do five more uh, rewinds next week as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Road Games, Dial Code, Santa Claus, a lot of stuff. But again, Dial Code, Santa Claus is streaming on Shutter. Eric Holmes, you're, I think you said you have two picks. You have one final pick? Yeah, one left. You got okay. All right, so let's see. We talked about Northern Soul. We talked about Black Sabbath. We talked about Killers Anonymous. We talked about Deep Red. We talked about uh, We the Kings. Yes, five fantastic movies this week, and I've not got to my favorite yet. What? <laughs> my friend you- Steve calls me up the other day. And he's like, Eric, Headhunters on Shutter. That's it. Watch it, and then basically hangs up. The last time he did that was before I saw Greasy Strangler. <laughs> so now keep in mind, this movie is nothing at all like Greasy Strangler. Before you continue anymore, like, what do you call your friend? What do you call your friend? Steve-o? Bullshit artist. <laughs> gotcha. Was uh, that this a reference week- to this movie? No, it was uh, Greasy Strangler. Oh, Greasy Strangler. Okay, got, gotcha. Uh, it's uh, written by Kevin Stewart and Jordan Downey, directed by Jordan Downey. came out in 2018. It's called The Headhunter. I don't – we talked about it. I uh, believe we covered it on an early episode, but uh, Iceman, Their Man Aus Dem Ice. Yes. This movie is very, very, very similar to that, but instead of, instead of a caveman seeking revenge on people that destroyed his uh, – destroyed his village and killed everyone in it he's a monster hunter and so it's just it just follows him through his day-to-day he's just sitting at home you know he'll leave and they'll come back and he's like all tort you know his face is all just bloodied up and messed up and he puts this 
you know, grabs a salve, puts it on it, and it heals it up. Meanwhile, he pulls out a bag and pulls out a werewolf head and sticks it on his wall. And then you see a wall with, like, just monster heads all over it. And and then he uh, he's just kind of sitting there and he thinks about his thinks about his daughter, and then the and then the bell goes off again. He's like, and he goes out, leaves, comes back, and he's got different he's got different cuts now. Grabs a salve, puts it on that, and it heals up. Takes out a bag. He's got a vampire head, sticks that on the wall, <laughs> and then he starts thinking about his daughter again and how his daughter got killed. And you get to see the monster. And so now it's him trying to hunt down the monster that killed his daughter. And this ending gets really, really strange. Not not like strange, like... Uh, it's called the Headhunter? Yeah, because he comes back with the, the monster's heads. So yeah. basically, before he goes out hunting, what he'll do is he's got this, like, giant pencil sharpener that he sticks a, a dowel in, you know, sharpens in, and then he'll nail it to the wall. And so it's just a spike sticking out of the wall. And then so when he comes back with the monster head, he just slams it through the spike so they're just kind of you know hanging there with the spike out of their head the ending of this is really really good and it's kind of it's not like a uh what what do you call that when you can't quite uh, you know they kind of leave it up to the imagination of what happened mm. yeah, it's ambiguous. Definitely not, yeah ambiguous yeah. words they don't like words. <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh did we lose him we might have lost him oh but uh he oh this is an ambiguous ending <laughs> it's an ambiguous ending. Eric, come back to us. Let's see. Eric left us with an ambiguous ending. That is that is that is a way to leave us with an ambiguous Man. ending. Well, okay, you're back. You're back. Oh, you're back. Well, can you hear me? Yes, can hear you. Yes. All right. You're talking so about where, the ambiguous where? ending. Ambiguous ending. Okay, so it's not an ambiguous ending. It's very clear what happens. It's unclear how it works. I guess. I, I don't know. There's so there's so many questions that I and, and there it's not like questions like oh fuck this movie. It's kind of one of those endings where I saw it and I just kept pondering like different different versions of what could have went down. Because after I got done, I hit my friend Steve-O up and I'm like, oh yeah, this this and this happened. He's like, no, this happened. I'm like, well, it, it it's weird. It's I guess ambiguous in concept, but not in actual like you actually see what's going on but you might take a couple different versions of what is going on so i being very confusing right now <laughs> no 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 so the headhunter right now i'm looking rotten tomatoes it has a hundred percent score regarding the critics the audience score is 55 percent. so what's interesting eric is what you, yeah it has 55 percent audience rating meaning there's some people who give it four or five stars and there are people who give it one and two stars. My question to you is, do you see the, okay, do you see the reason why it would have really love it or I've, really don't okay. like it? Okay, if you hate gore, because, the, the, I mean, they take the heads and stick them on a the spike. Like, if that's something you can't handle, then obviously this ain't going to be your cup of tea. Maybe because it's uh, more meditative than movies like this typically are. Because, like, if you've seen Iceman, you know exactly what you're going to expect out of this. Uh, just take Iceman and throw in a little bit of Army of Darkness in there, and you have the Headhunter. Yeah, this movie's fantastic. I don't fifty four percent. I'm thinking maybe people who wouldn't like it don't like it because it doesn't have like a like a a real clear narrative. It sounds like it's more of like a like a oh no, Daylight no it, kind of. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. This uh, I, I was gonna say it's very clear of what's going on. He goes home and then goes out, grabs monsters, and comes back and thinks about his daughter. Rinse and repeat until he goes after the monster that he's going after. So, it's yeah, it's pretty simple, but yeah, there's not a big, there's not like a big epic storyline like something like uh, Lord of the Rings would have, although this, you know, very well could be in the world of Lord of the Rings. 
like almost like you take Lord of the Rings and then just kind of just kind of zoom down in this little corner here, and that's where the headhunter lives. Okay, so the headhunter well, really interesting thing. All these movies are going in shutters. It's making me making me dizzy. So the headhunter currently streaming on Shutter. Bruce, I believe you have a couple of more to round us round us out. Just oh, one. you have one more. You have one more. Yeah, good. Just the the box one. The, the movie from the box. The what's in the box segment, listeners? That that is where Bruce Porky, being the most generous out of the three, just I don't email us, email Bruce Porky if you want him to review one of your films. What, meaning, you know, pick a movie that you'd want him to eventually review. He'll put that movie in what's in the box, and then he'll randomly pick that movie to review the following week. Now, Bruce, what movie do you have that to review this week from the box? So from the box, last week we picked Angie Clark's choice, and that was um, 2008 German movie, The Lives of Others, which I know you've seen, Greg, right? Yes. I I don't remember much about the movie. I remember thinking it it was very good, and it reminded me, I don't know, maybe this is wrong, of like the conversation or something like that, something like that. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. And Eric, I don't know if you've ever seen it at all, The Lives of Others. I don't think so. I thought I did, but I think I might have been right. thinking of uh, Cache, the Michael Haneke, mm. or I, I'm probably thinking Those of are a all... different movie, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, there is a Haneke connection to this actually though. So there, it, those are all good comparisons because I think tonally you kind of get a feel for what's going on here. So the lives of others, 2008 directed by, I love the director's name, Florian Henkel von Donnerschmark. <laughs> so... <laughs> I don't know about that name. So this movie is almost a three-hander, but it's got other characters. The basic concept is this. It takes place in 1984 East Berlin when it's still very divided uh, Germany. And the main character, which is played by Ulrich Muhe, he is Hauptmann Gerd Weisler. He is a member of the Stasi. And the Stasi is East Germans' secret police, basically. Everyone's afraid of the Stasi. And that actor, by the way, plays the father in the original Funny Games, if Mm. you want to know who that guy is. So he is, he's like an expert. He's an expert at um, interrogation. And it starts out with him teaching a class on interrogation. He's playing tapes of some of their political prisoners and how you break them. He is a party line guy. He, He believes in the party. He's out to get the bad people and the bad people who are against socialism and against the communist rule in you know eastern germany uh he is he is uh basically expected to go and surveil the top playwright considered the top party line playwright this is the guy that supposedly is not he's like the only playwright in east germany that isn't considered a dissident but they have their reasons to think that they want to watch him. So he's sent out to listen in. They bug the whole guy's apartment. That guy is played by Sebastian Koch. You may cock Koch. I don't know how to say it. He uh, has been in a bunch of movies. You might recognize him. He was in Bridge of Spies. He was in Black Book and a bunch of other stuff. I think he was also in one of the James Bond movies as as a villain. And he plays Georg Dreiman. He's the playwright. And then the main other character is his girlfriend, who's an actress in a lot of his plays. Her name is Krista Maria Siland, and she's played by Martine Gedeck or Jedek. Anyway, the idea is that here you got this party line guy. He's spending 12 hours a day, and then he switches shifts 12 hours a day, listening to everything in the apartment below and recording it all. 
And as that goes on, he becomes to know more and more about their lives. And as you might expect, he starts to discover that everything isn't quite as cut and dried as he thinks it might be. You know, the party line isn't quite as pure as he thinks it is. And these people that he is suspecting of being, you know, dissidents aren't quite as, I don't know, evil or disruptive as he thinks. And he's in this very weird spot where, like, how do you deal with this? And like Greg mentioned, you've got a little bit of the conversation there. I think you've got a little bit of something to me. It kind of reminded me a little bit of Fahrenheit 451. The idea of somebody who really believes in this kind of oppressive regime and starts to slowly question their position. And then they find themselves in a really hard spot because they're going to put themselves in peril if they do anything about it. So that's where all the intrigue comes in. This movie is superb, impeccably written. Uh, just if that sounds even slightly interesting to you, it it never stops being interesting. It gets more and more interesting as it goes. It's not a flashy movie, but it's, a very tense movie. Yeah, I, I remember it being very su- just a well-written, subtle type of film that I I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. And yeah, I I would love to revisit the lives of others. Thank you, Angie Clark, for your selection. Bruce, you have some more selections in the box this week. I do. What? Tell, tell us. Tell us about it. that. Let's see if I can get some audio. Didn't the shake it, shake it, shake it. Didn't the anything? Come on, for, what's in the box? <laughs> and the anything for Jackson director? Did he give you something in the box too, or? Or what with that? He did, yes. And his is in here. I'm not going to say what it is. We just have to find okay. out if it gets drawn out. Um, yes. And also, I saw Sally, um, I forget her name, Sally Collette, when we interviewed her from Max Cloud, she gave me a suggestion too. So if I interview people, I'm going to get a suggestion to go into the box. That will be fun. So I'm going to now pick the box. So next week, you can play along if you want to watch one of these movies. And my co-hosts are also invited. If they want to watch one of these movies, they can, but they don't have to. Like I said, what do you they say, might Eric? not want to. Okay, I, I got yeah. one. Okay, this is from Jesper. And I believe, I don't know if Jesper is in our cinematic universe. Yes. I believe Jesper, yes, Jesper is, is. Okay. Uh, but he or she, I'm not sure, made that suggestion through my YouTube channel, actually, believe it or not. That was kind of cool. And they suggested, oh, and I did see this movie in, in the theater back in the 80s and not since. And it's a very weird and interesting movie. And I'm curious to rewatch this. And that is The Company of Wolves. Oh. The Company of Wolves. Doesn't that star Angela Lansbury? It does star Angela Lansbury. How good am I, Eric Holmes? Come on. Very good. (laughs) What's up? When you say Company of Wolves, I'm like, don't think I've seen it. And you said Angela Lansbury. I'm like, wait, maybe I saw this at my grandma's house. (laughs) (laughs) If I remember remember correctly... What? This is an incredibly interesting and surreal take on the werewolf myth, but it's it's kind of done in a fairy tale fashion, and it's also highly feminist, I believe, in its approach. Mm. And I remember it being a really interesting and unusual movie on the subject. So, the Company of Wolves. Very cool, the Company of Wolves. Bruce Perky is going to hunt it down and watch it. And that will be his What's in the Box review for next week. Of course, you know, What's in the Box is a reference to the David Fincher film, Seven. I'm not going to do the Brad. Can you do the Brad Pitt uh, What's in the Box, Eric? Can Try it. Can you do it? What's in the box? What's in the fucking box? <laughs> Very cool. You, you know what? I know we're not supposed to say what we're going to give you. I, I was actually thinking 
Bruce, for, for my recommendation for you to put in the box, I was I was going to say this 2015 film. I'm, I'm sure you've seen it. This 2015 film called called Rams. I love that film. And I looked on, on Just Watch, mm. stream, streaming on Canopy. Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. You know, so. But that's a, that's a beautiful film. So Rams. I haven't seen Rams. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very. It's a Rams? Fan, yeah. It's a fantastic film. The final shot is 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 beautiful too it's one of those beautiful final shots that i i i mean if i was a filmmaker like eric holmes or anderson cowan i'd say i'd be jealous i'd say i can't believe that's right. a beautiful beautiful shot here's so. the deal greg here's the deal i will put rams in the box but mm-hmm. the trick is this if if i put Rams, if i pull rams out of the box and make it mine for that week the next week you have to pick a movie from the box Oh, that's a good one. I'll do it. Mm. Yeah, but only I like only if if and when I pick Rams out of the box. So the next okay. week you will have to pick one out of the box. I love that. I love that little twist. This is a, this is a, another Dario Argento deep wet twist on this <laughs> on the program. Okay, so we love where Bruce Perky's taking what's in the box. And again, we're find your film. We're clo- almost closing out the year. We have one more one more week to do this, but. Um, I think that's it. I think that's it. We're we're doing more interviews thanks to Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky. I I was gonna say this for next week, but just hang with us. One thing I'm gonna be doing is the next couple of weeks I have off. I'll be doing a lot more work on our websites and archiving our podcasts. I will notify you guys on how I'm doing that. I'm gonna focus on the directors we've covered, and I think I'm gonna probably start off with some William Free a William Friedkin post and we can put our podcast there. I'm blab. Uh, basically our, again, our podcast is going to be, you're listening to us right now, but then we want this to be an interactive experience where you can go to our website and actually stay there and get a full sort of cinematic recommendation experience along with some value added information. So, I mean, yeah, we're just three cinephiles, but we know we're three, out, we're three out of millions of cinephiles out there who, who love their movies. And, um, Anything to say before we go, Eric Holmes? The Headhunter on Shutter. Watch that. It's fantastic. All the movies we mentioned today, watch them all before next week. Or I'm going to, you're going to be in big trouble, mister, if you don't watch all the movies. You're going to be a head on Eric's wall. <laughs> my, my, final, <laughs> my, my final thought, though, my final thought is I apologize. I'm, I'm being a little bit mean this episode, but li- listeners, again, Comes out on Friday, Wonder Woman 1984. I, I please, that's two hours and 35 minutes that you can, you can do, you can start a, a new book. You can write a letter to a loved one. You can spend time with your family. Do a lot of different things other than watch that movie. If I'm, if you watch the movie and I'm completely wrong, hit us up. We'd love to hear your thoughts on Wonder Woman 1984. We're going to end this episode with some insightful comments or comment from Mr. Bruce Perky, AKA Perk Walkers. No, no, no. I never am the last word. It's always going to be Eric. He's the best. <laughs> You're the best, Eric. Okay. If I didn't say it before, if you don't watch the headhunters, I will pull your head off and stick it on my, <laughs> I, actually, you know what? I'm very, I'm very curious. Watch headhunters on shutter and then comment down below or on the facebook group or just comment somewhere if you're one of those that hate it i really 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 want to know why so very cool the headhunter and, uh, and don't be a pussy you like it you're gonna love it. <laughs> okay very <laughs> that's that is a, yeah 
That is a Bruce, really... you should have ended this. I'm fucking this up for all yeah. Bruce, don't, I'm never going to listen to you, Bruce, anymore. With that <laughs> said, we, we love you, Eric Holmes, and we love you, our faithful and devoted listener. Take care, guys. Happy holidays. <laughs>